Welcome to the message podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Make sure you join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road and a new campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, at our Harrisonburg campus, we have a Spanish campus that meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. Check out our website, cotnaz.org, for more information. Good morning, church family. How are we doing? Good, good to see you all this morning. How many of you today would raise your hand and say that you're a list person? Where you gotta like, you gotta jot it down, you thrive off of checking the boxes. Is that you? All right. Congratulations. That ain't me. <laughs> See, I'm in this really bad place, okay, where I need a list, but I don't like a list. That's not a great place to be. <laughs> because if I don't have a list, if I don't write it down, or even if I do write it down, I'll lose it. Before I get done jotting it down on a piece of paper, it's as good as gone. Uh, but if I can put it on my phone, I stand a chance. Uh, so yeah, I, I even this morning I walked in and I saw Miss Steph in the back and I went, oh man, I forgot to ask her to do announcements this morning. <laughs> so she was gracious and forgave me and she did a wonderful job with announcements this morning. Uh, but yeah, as we return to our James series today, James is going to challenge us to consider what we do with our list. Now, he's not asking us what we do with our to-do list or our grocery list to get eggs and milk. He's really asking us the question, what do we do with the word that we study and that we learn? Are we applying it? Are we living it? That's a very concise question that is searching today uh, as we pursue Jesus. So I welcome you back to our teaching series through the book of James. Uh, As a church, we are taking a very deliberate and very step-by-step journey through this very practical letter, this very practical portion of Scripture. And James has already challenged us in so many ways. As we conclude chapter one today, it feels like we've been in this forever, like he's been pressing on every area of our lives already. We're only in chapter one, so this is going to be a marathon to the finish, friends. But as, as we have already come through the Scripture, he, he's challenged us to, to see all of our lives through the lens of God's kingdom. And we, of course, started out in trials and tribulations and those things, and, and he moved on even into seeing our social status, our, whether rich or poor. He's, he's called us to see the eternal weight, the eternal matters within our lives, and to see God's purposes in whatever the circumstances are in our lives. He's challenging us to a new perspective. And, and just last week, as we had the opportunity to swap campuses, so as Pastor Adrian came down, I got to visit uh, our Harrisonburg campus, and we just swapped campuses to cast vision that we are one church in multiple locations. But as we dove into the Word, uh, James challenged us to deal with our anger. Now, we're kind of an angry people. Our, we live in an angry world. And it was so interesting because James challenged us to deal with our anger by dealing and getting rid of the moral filth and corruption that's in our lives. Now, that is very, very strong language. And even though, like, when you think of moral filth, like, it kind of, you know, makes you do one of these numbers, right? And we got to remember, the original audience was not the outside world. It was the church. Like, that saying could have shown up in the Sunday bulletin. And he's saying, no, you don't deal with your anger by just trying to suppress it or hope your filter's good enough, he, he points to the heart of the matter. And we would have expected him maybe there to 
give us some behavior modification tips, right? I mean, and you know, you know the drill. Like, type the email, then delete it, right? Have you ever tried that? Or you take a walk, or you take uh, five deep breaths, or you, you count backwards from ten in an effort to suppress that anger. He skips all of that and says, no, deal with the condition of your heart. Get to it at the root of the matter, and he challenges us to do that by embracing Jesus, embracing the word that's planted within us to allow Jesus to have his purifying, sanctifying effect in our hearts so that we're not just suppressing anger, we're eradicating it from our hearts. And he's challenged us to embrace Jesus and implement, if you will, all of Christ's teaching into every aspect of our lives. And as we come into our text today in verses 22 through 27... As we conclude this chapter, he's giving us even more clarity and and even more emphasis on the importance of living our faith, of living out the Word of God. And as he closes out chapter 1, he's going to crack the door, if you will, to three more topics that he's going to engage very, very in-depth throughout the remainder of our text. So would you dive in with me, if you have your copy of Scripture, to James chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 22 for our text today. So he says, verse 22, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Verse 26, he says, Those who consider themselves religious, yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. And finally, in verse 27, he says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Don't just listen to the word. Do it. It's almost as if we could make a t-shirt that says, just do it. But I think somebody's already on to that right now, right? Because that, that's the essence of this passage. Just do it. Don't just hear it. Don't just retain it for a little bit. Implement it into your everyday, ordinary lives. Just do it. And this is what we've come to know as classic James, right? Like It's a direct imperative. It's not for extra credit. This is not a, oh, if you want bonus points. This is, no, this is a core tenet of the faith for James. Just do it. Just do what you know, that what you have read, what you have heard from the Spirit. Just do it. So as we journey through this passage today, we're going to unpack it verse by verse. But as we journey today, I invite you to just listen today. Listen to what the word, what the voice of the Lord is whispering into your heart. Maybe, maybe today God is saying, just do it. Maybe he's leaning into that call that you've you've been hearing. You hear his still, small voice. You've read the scriptures, but yet you're hesitant today. James is encouraging us, just do it. Respond and be blessed in obedience. Maybe our call today in one area of our life or another or all of our life in reality is to just do it. Would you pray with me this morning? 
Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today and uh, we desire to respond in obedience. Lord, yes, we, we want to know your word. We want to implant it in our hearts. We want to be able to have recall when we want to quote a scripture. Lord, we want to know your word, but Lord, we want to see it live through our lives as James is summoning us to here. Just do it. So, Father, will you speak up today, Lord, in the ministry of your Spirit. Speak to our hearts. Show us those places where maybe we've said no thanks or not yet or I can't do it. Lord, will you, will you work in our hearts today, Lord, as we journey through this text? And it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's start back at verse 22, and we're going to just take our step-by-step journey through the passage and uh, flesh it out just a little bit. So verse 22, James says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So in a paraphrase today, you might say something like this. Don't just come to church on Sunday to hear the message and think that your attendance is good enough. Your church attendance is nothing without obedience throughout your life. Howard Hendricks, who is, I believe, a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, said it this way. He said, the word of God is not to make us smarter sinners, but to make us more like the Savior. Isn't that good? The word of God is not just more information to be memorized. It's not just things we need to intake. No, it's to make us more like Jesus. That's the essence of our passage here today is to take, to receive from the Word of God and see it lived out through every aspect of our lives and our relationships and our vocations and everything that we're saying and doing should be molded and shaped and conformed to the image of God as revealed in the Scriptures. And as we unpack this text, we should understand James is not condemning your audio Bible, okay? If you like listening to it on the CD player in the truck or you like listening to podcasts, that, that's not what James is talking about because you notice he says, don't merely listen. So he's saying there, don't only listen without ever living the truth because we can listen to a lot of things that we never implement in our lives. I mean, if you, if you go to Google Podcasts or iTunes, whatever your podcast source is, there are an infant number of podcasts to consume, to listen to. But he's saying, no, don't, don't just hear it but implement it into your life. Take that next step. And so we're not to, this idea is that we're not to confine the truth we've heard just to knowledge, but to experience in our lives. We can't keep it relegated to things of our mind. We need to implement it into our actions. James, quite simply, has no space for passive Christianity. He gives us no room to recline and only read, but he says, go, go. So James here is somewhat sounding a warning, if you will, that there's something wrong with us if if the truth that we hear, the truth that we know, the truth that we hear when we spend time with the Lord, if it doesn't transcend into our actions, something's wrong. We're deceiving ourselves is what he says. And that idea there is to make a miscalculation. If you're into math, you know one minor miscalculation throws off the rest of the equation. And so there's that idea that we are deceiving ourselves, we're we're misjudging, we're misleading if we think that we can just read and never live the Word of God. And I, I I just acknowledge, like, that's, he's giving us a very tall order here. He's leaving us no shortcut, no runaround here. He's just saying, do it, live it. And if you don't, if, if what we know, if what we profess doesn't transcend our actions, we're deceiving ourselves. 
We must put it into practice. The idea of doing what the Word says here, he's giving us a picture of a lifestyle. So he's not in condemning an accident or a mistake that we're all subject to. He's saying, no, 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 the the Word of God should define your trajectory. It should define your path. It should give you the direction forward over the overarching scheme and view of your life. Let the Word of God be seen there in that pattern. And this is one of those places where we see James speaking, Jesus. Got that one right. So this is one of those places where they're teaching, where James is reciting and retelling the truth that Jesus gave. And if you turn to John's Gospel in chapter 14, And pick up in verse 23. Listen to the theme of obedience. John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 23. He says this. He says, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. In this passage, Jesus makes a direct connection between hearing and knowing and actually living out in active obedience what we've heard from the Lord. We don't really love him if we've not given ourselves to obeying him, to transforming our lives to the call of the gospel. And we would recognize this even in our human-level relationships If you would think about that significant other, that covenant of marriage even. If your younger days were defined by fishing and hunting all night long, then working all day and making no other time for another person, like there's a change coming if you step into the marriage covenant relationship. That relationship is going to cause you to change, to react to what you have agreed to, what you've stepped into. And even at that base level of understanding, we see just a a portal of what Jesus is saying. Look, to enter into relationship with me is to change your life, to live out the word. Just do it. As we return to our text today, James moves to help us get some handles on this truth, to pull it apart even a little bit farther. And as we pick up in verse 23... He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Again, if you want to paraphrase this into today's language, it might look something like this. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it is like a person who sees the speed limit sign yet immediately forgets how fast they're supposed to be driving. Have you ever done that? Like you may be on a little unfamiliar road somewhere, you're on a road trip, and you pass that speed limit sign and go, yep, I see that, and 100 yards past that sign, you're like, shoot, what did that say? The boys in blue will remind you if you forget too much, right? And that's what he's saying there, don't forget, don't just passively look into the mirror and turn away. And we need to understand, in this era, mirrors were not quite like what we're used to. They were very polished pieces of metal. So if there was a little distortion, a little bend in that polished piece of metal, what you saw would be distorted. It wasn't necessarily always clear. And so it's hard for us to imagine in this context, but not everyone would have even had access to that mirror. 
I mean, we're the selfie generation, right? We have an access to see ourselves at all times in multiple places in our house, so it's hard to grasp that. But can you imagine that you haven't seen yourself for days or weeks? You might have a new scar or a fresh wrinkle or gray hair or no hair, but you look into that mirror and you, you, you look and you study for just a moment, but yet you turn away and immediately forget what you've seen. And that idea is there that you don't do anything with it. You don't take any action. You wouldn't apply any medicine to that cut that you witnessed in the mirror. And so that's what he's likening this. The person who hears the word of God and does not live it out, takes no action, takes nothing away from the sermon or, or the podcast or the time of study, that person is like turning away from a mirror and immediately forgetting what they've seen or what action, what course they're supposed to take. And so from this example, James goes to set up a contrast. So we, we have the person who looks and turns away and forgets. And as we pick up in verse 25, he gives us a different story. He says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. You can almost hear a beatitude of obedience. They will be blessed and what they do. So in contrast to the person who looks and forgets, the person who looks perfectly, looks intently into the perfect law of Christ Jesus and embraces that for their lives, that person is blessed in what they do. The Jewish audience of this letter, when they heard this idea of the perfect law, I think they would have probably heard the prophet Jeremiah ringing in the background. Because the prophet Jeremiah foretold hundreds of years, thousands of years before it ever happened that the law would be written on the hearts of the people. And so this is not necessarily that the Ten Commandments, though it is that, it's the law, the witness of the Spirit in the life of a believer. And so within that truth, we're to give careful consideration to the Word and what's revealed in the text, yes, but we're also to be obedient and live constantly under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that still small voice in our hearts that is guiding and growing and conforming us. We're to give careful consideration, listen intently to God's Word, to His voice in our hearts and in our lives. And when we live within God's kingdom, when we live within his influence, and we don't only hear the word, but we live through it in our everyday lives, we're promised blessing. And yes, that is, that is today, that is a promise for now, but that is also a promise for the future, that as we grow and as we journey with Jesus, he is molding and transforming and purifying and sanctifying us, so that as we grow, we're conformed in his image. And you can see this. Have you ever met one of those older saints in the church that's journeyed with Jesus for a long time? You just step into their presence and you can sense a savor of grace. Just by their person, their countenance even. And as you step away from there, something is stirred in your heart. That's presence. I think of our sister Pearl Parks at the Harrisonburg campus. To step into the presence of Pearl Parks is to step into the presence of Jesus. Because she's journeyed, she's allowed the transformative work of grace to have that effect in her life. And she would be the first to tell you, she, if she hears this, I'm in trouble. If she would be the first to tell you that it's just not perfection, but it's just growth and grace. It's a blessedness that she has been conformed into the image of God. And that's the invitation that we all have, is to allow our lives to be shaped and molded by Jesus, to be formed in his image. So when people interact with us, when people bump into us at Walmart or at work or at school, it's Jesus they bump into. 
It's Jesus. It's a savor of grace. It's an invitation to mercy in presence. That's the blessing of obedience. We're forever called to walk in obedient discipleship, obedient response to the revelation of Jesus. And from here, James gives us some very practical, like down and dirty, do one, two, three. And it's classic James. It's very pointed, but it's the advice he gives is very sound for us today too, friends. Let's pick up in verse 26 of our text today. He says, Those who consider themselves religious yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Verse 27, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Friends, I think it says a lot that as, as we unpack this final section, as James wanted to dive deep, as he wanted to put it into practical application, just a few verses ago is where he gave us the truth. Hey, whoa, whoa, don't be angry. Be slow to speak. And yet he hits it again here. The person who cannot keep a tight rein on their tongue or speech is a common theme throughout scriptures. And James has bunched up that truth, that teaching here, if you will, and so he understands that with our tongues, we can speak life, we can speak the proclamation, the furtherance of God's grace and his mercy of his redemption story, or we can speak death and destruction. We have a choice. And he's saying the religion, true religion, is shown by the degree, by the, the attention we give to our speech. And the imagery he sets up there, if you're familiar with horses, is that of a bit, where you put that metal bit in the back of a horse's mouth, and with a set of reins, you can turn a giant animal with the smallest pull. He's saying, have that level of control over your speech. If your religion of what you claim is your faith doesn't impact your speech, he's saying, it's faultless, it's faulty, it's not authentic, it's not genuine. We're deceiving ourselves. Can I just be honest that I'm not sure I take my speech that seriously? I mean, let, let's pull that in. Let, let's, let's wind that into like right now. When we have, when we spout off a little bit, I don't know if anybody else uses that term, when you spout off or you have an angry outburst or whatever, do we give the weight that we're contradicting our faith? I don't think in that moment we would say, I'm going to intentionally contradict my faith. But what James is saying, look, if what we believe and the convictions of your heart don't stop there, if they don't stop that speech, it's not authentic. Going, wow. He's putting a lot of pressure, a lot of focus on what comes out of our mouth, and he knows that's because it's spouting, it's spewing what's in our hearts. He's saying, keep an eye there. The second test that he gives us, the second test is of true religion is shown by the degree at which we are giving ourselves to caring for the vulnerable and the needy within our society. The, the word of God can, can never be engaged apart, separate from engagement in compassionate ministries. God's love is always moving. Therefore, those who say they are filled with his love ought to be moving in compassion to meet the needs of the world around them. 
whether widows and orphans like mentioned in our text or whether it's immigrants or refugees trying to adjust to a new life or someone that has physical or handicapped mobility issues or whether it's the homeless, we are called to minister compassionately, to show God's love through tangible action. Quite simply, faith acts. Faith Do not merely listen. Do not only listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. The final test that James gives us today is to walk in holiness. To walk in holiness. Christians, yes, are to be in the world on mission, but we are not to be of the world. And he's saying here, don't let the character, the conduct of the world infiltrate what you know to be right in God's word. Don't compromise with the ways of the world. Don't compromise to with what your buddies might say is core, what someone is pressuring you into doing. Don't take the shortcut. Keep yourself in line with the character and the nature of holiness in God's gospel. Walk in Holiness. We're not to have a corrupted heart or mixed loyalties. We're to give ourselves to the high calling of Christian character and ethics. That is all lived out. We read it, we understand it, we know it, but we must live it. Within these couple short verses, James makes it really clear. God's religion... What, what he desires from his followers, what his people are to give themselves to is a living faith, a faith that does, a faith that honors God and impacts others. You see, the, the scriptures, I, I don't feel like, have the tension between faith and works like we sometimes do. And there's different reasons why we can get caught up in works righteousness and things like that where we think we have to earn our salvation. That's not what James is saying. He's saying, no, respond to the life of Christ Jesus in you. You're You're not responding to earn it. You're responding because you've received it. It's a gift. Live in light of that truth. And James leaves us no wiggle room here. Like some passages, you want to try to hit reverse and see if you can pull back a little bit. But he doesn't give us that room. He doesn't even give us that gear. Our relationship with Christ must transcend from our minds and our hearts and enter into our everyday, ordinary lives. As the band begins to come today, when we begin to think about putting what we've learned, what we've heard into practice, what does it look like? You see, I I, I can't live your story You have to live your story. What does it look like for you to put into practice today what God has been leaning and impressing upon your heart? He's saying in the text, if we don't follow, if we don't respond in obedience, we're in danger of deceiving ourselves, of making a gross miscalculation, a misunderstanding even of our true spiritual health. As I was in dialogue with Pastor Adrian this week about our message We were just in conversation, and he said a a one sentence that really got my attention. And this is what he said. He says, I don't think it's that we have a memory problem. I think we have a priority problem. 
I don't think it's that we have a memory or a reading problem or a listening problem. We have a priority problem as our priorities preventing us from living the truth that we've heard and seen and listened to. In light of this passage today, James is really causing us to look in the mirror, if you will. He's asking us a question. Is there something today that you've been dealing with God or God's been dealing with you? You've been maybe wrestling a little bit. Maybe you've even been pushing back against the Lord and it's time to say, yes, Lord. Have you maybe gazed into the scriptures? You've spent time in his word. You've spent time in prayer. And you know that God's impressing upon a place in your heart, that secret place of your heart that maybe the person you rode to church with today doesn't even know about But you know God's been leaning and calling and beckoning you to allow him to transform you in that place. Is it time today to say yes, Lord? Is it reconciling a relationship? Is it kicking an old habit? Is it starting a new one? Is it that secret place in your heart? Is it your speech? Is it compassion? What is that place in your heart today? And you you might say, yeah, but but preacher, you don't know how hard it's going to be. You don't know how much it's going to hurt. I can't do that on my own. You have no idea what you're saying. And I don't. I don't know what that place is for you. But friends, we're not to do this alone. God's not saying best of luck. He's saying come. If we would pick back up in our John 14 scripture at verse 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commands. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Friends, today God's not saying good luck, go forward and deal with this. No, he's saying come, can we, can we, he's there to help us, to guide us. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Friends, we have a beautiful promise and assurance of God's presence in that secret place. That place where maybe you've been saying, not yet, Lord, or I can't. James is challenging us to say, yes, Lord. It's pretty humbling to think about God can't and God won't force your yes. The God who told the sea where to stop, put the sun and the moon and the stars out there. He asked for your yes, but he cannot force your yes. You have to give it. Isn't that amazing? That God won't violate our free will, but he's inviting us. He's beckoning us to say yes. Will you step into obedience today to whatever that place is in your life? Would you pray with me this morning? Father, who are we that we can say no to you? Like, that's crazy, Lord. But you are always beckoning, you're always inviting, desiring that we would come, that we would allow you 
And Lord, that's your grace, that we even know that is your grace, Lord. You're in this and through this. It's your beckoning. It's your calling. Lord, may we today give you our yes. Lord, to take what you've said, what you've spoken into our lives and implement it, Lord. Allow you in, allow you to transform our lives from the inside out, Lord. Lord, your promise is sure that you are there. You're going to give us the strength. You're the helper if we will say yes. Lord, we want to say yes to you today in whatever it is. Lord, we don't want to deceive ourselves by thinking that if we can just hide it, if we can just suppress it, that you don't see. May we say yes to you today, Lord. May we live differently in light of your grace and your mercy and your truth. We need you today, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.